The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger into the nail marks, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now a week later his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst, and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, and see my hands, and bring your hand and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through this belief you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. This first reading is really short. I want to read it just one more time just to kind of get it stuck in our heads. The community of believers was of one heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they had everything in common. With great power, the apostles bore witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great favor was accorded them all. There was no needy person among them for those who own property or houses would sell them, bring the proceeds of the sale and put them at the feet of the apostles, and they were distributed to each according to need. I wanted to reiterate that since it's an emphasis on community that happens to be at our Greek Mass today. In case you didn't know from the programs, we are also, we're celebrating many, many things today, and among them is Greek life here on campus. And I'll do a little bit of an acknowledgement for everyone in Greek life at the end of Mass, so don't leave after communion, okay? So, but you're all really good students. I know you wouldn't do that, so. We're also celebrating Divine Mercy Sunday. It goes back to St. Faustina, 
and her recorded diary from the 1930s, her diary of recorded visions of Jesus Christ, emphasizing his love for his people, his mercy, his forgiveness, that he wanted everyone to know his love for each one of his children, especially those who struggled to believe that they could be forgiven, struggled that they could believe that they could be one with him. We're celebrating the octave of Easter, so as Catholics, we celebrate eight days of Easter, not just Easter Sunday and not just Good Friday and Holy Thursday, but eight days of Easter Day, liturgically, and this is the last of those eight days. And then we celebrate the rest of the Easter season for multiple weeks up until Pentecost and the Ascension. When we think about Greek life, when we think about community, St. Francis University has a very strong community. Greek life is an emphasis of that community already strongly put on this campus. I'm also part of a fraternity. So Brother Marius, Father Stephen, Father Malachi, and we have letters too, you know, T-O-R, right? You know, or uh, Tau, right? Is that a Greek letter that we could, you know, use? You know, Jesus has Greek letters, you know, Alpha, Omega, you know, Cairo, right? You know, so it's, it's definitely part. Oh, Brother Dennis as well, he's also part of our fraternity and he's one of your advisors. So, so we understand, you know, community living. And so maybe we're not acting like college fraternity students, you know, on weekends or whatever, but we do have that sense of brotherhood with one another, that community. And community can be very difficult as well. There's going to be people that you're not going to like. There are going to be people you're, you're not going to get along with. There are going to be people in charge that you do not understand. And then there's going to be confusion, lack of communication, you know, Greek life. You all understand this stuff, right? Yeah, so no one's shaking their heads. No one wants to dare do that. So. But this is part of community living. And then St. Francis University as a very strong community. I've had the um, real great opportunity of even getting to know some of the, op the community out in Evansburg from some of the young families out there. So community is definitely ingrained in us as human beings of something that we need. But our readings today, especially our first reading, helps us to think about what was that early community like. And really, if you listen closely, all three of the readings are like that because the community of early Christians was extremely important to their faith because of what they experienced. Let's think about what happened. In our gospel today, we have this story of Jesus Christ. And these people put their lives, they put all their eggs in one basket into this one man. Some of them knew him growing up. And they said, this, can this be the one that we have waited for? This coming Messiah who's going to save us from the Romans, right? Bring us back as a nation together. Make us one. Bring us peace that promised land. And they had this image in their head, some of them, that this was going to be a kingly figure or a militant figure. And what happens? They see the man that they put all their faith in endure one of the worst executions known to the history of mankind. The Romans themselves used crucifixion only for two types of people, enslaved peoples and revolutionaries. And it was a horrible, torturous death. It wasn't just for Jesus. It was something very commonly used. When they saw this happen, many of his followers didn't know how to handle what they saw. Many of them fled. But you had these apostles that were staying together, not sure what to believe, not sure what, how to handle 
everything that was going on and wondering where they were going to go next. And then they hear that Jesus had defeated death itself. A God who decides to become a human being, a God different from any other religion, decides to experience everything that humans experience. Pain, suffering, illness, hunger, thirst, joy, laughter, relationships, community, family, childhood, teenage years, torture and death, and also defeats death itself by resurrecting. And so when they, this Jesus appears to them, and Thomas doesn't know how to handle this news, and he needs to see it himself. But the story of Thomas became so important because now let's think about the early Christians. Now you had people who did not grow up with the Jewish faith, who were suddenly believing in this Jesus guy who came to save them from death and give them life. And they were following other religions that had no hope to them, these gods that were more corrupt than human beings, that they were supposed to worship and follow a set of rules to follow. And they had a God now that loved them personally. But they didn't understand. They didn't have the same background, and they had to have a faith deeper than Thomas to endure what they were going to give up for this belief. The early Christians had to rely on each other's community because now once they joined this Christian following, which people didn't understand, this wasn't something that was really, um, this wasn't something that was popular in the culture. This was something that kind of grew as a community, a following, a way of life. They became outsiders because suddenly they were different from their other families. Suddenly they weren't following the, the rituals and the rites that people followed in their towns or in their cities. They weren't believing in the philosophies that they were being taught. And they weren't following the moral code that was acceptable at the time, which was very, very kind of disturbing, even in our day and age. And so they had to support one another. They also believed in the importance of the breaking of the bread. And so that's when our second reading becomes important. When we hear from St. John about this God who came and he cleansed us not by water alone, but water and blood. So important to divine mercy. And Jesus gives part of himself in the breaking of the bread, or he gives his full self in the breaking of the bread, leaves himself to us. At the Last Supper, he says, do this in memory of me. This is my body. This is my blood. And whenever you do this, I will be there. This is me. And the early Christians understood when they gathered together for the breaking of the bread, prayed over underneath a presider, someone who was in charge of leadership, that they received the body of Christ, the body and blood of Christ. But this is where it goes further. And this is something many of us, especially Catholics, tend to forget. When we receive that body of Christ, we become the body of Christ. We become his hands. We become his feet. We become his extensions, his body to the world around us. But more importantly, we become his body together. Together we form the body of Christ. So the body of Christ wasn't just something that happened at Mass and the Eucharist. It was something they literally became, they literally received, and they became the body. And that's why community was so important. They needed the trust in that faith greater than Thomas because they were putting everything in their lives in something that, in someone that they just didn't understand. 
but they received understanding through the Holy Spirit. And for various reasons throughout the history of the Roman culture and really throughout our world, they were persecuted, torturously, horrifically, lost everything, all because they followed this Christ and they needed the support of the community of Christians in order to do so. This can mean a lot to us today. Imagine a world where we would not be able to come to mass so freely. We take it for granted. I think we got a taste of it during COVID. But we lose, imagine if we lost that complete freedom to be able to come to mass. That we coming to mass meant giving up our lives. What would that mean to us? How would the community of Christians change for us? And it also helps us recognize that in today's world, where we think of spirituality and religion as something that I do, it's something very personal to me, between me and God, whatever made up God I have in my mind, to live out my life the way I want, my spirituality, but the reality is our religion, our faith, our spirituality comes from something outside of us and lives in something outside of us through others, through a greater body of Christ. No matter what goes wrong, no matter how people may be or act, we are part of something greater. And our spirituality is found in a person, a person of love, an agape love, a giving up of oneself for another love. So when we celebrate Greek week, when we celebrate Christian community, when we celebrate our St. Francis community, when we celebrate our time in college together, at our university, our lives together, when we celebrate our faith, our religion, whenever we go to Mass, let's think about the early Christian community, the body of Christ, how we become the body of Christ, how we receive the body in Christ, and what that means to us and how important that is to us and what we're willing to give up to be part of that body.